0: Did you hear that?
1: I heard that. What was it? Could be a lot of things. Yeah? A coyote. There aren't any coyotes in England. The hound of the Baskervilles? Picos Bill? Heathcliff. Heathcliff didn't help. No, but he was on the moors. <laughs> it's
0: a full moon.
1: Beware, Beware the, the moon. moon and stick to the road. Ooh. Attacked by a werewolf that none of the locals will admit exists. It is the 1981 classic. It is the best horror film of all time. I don't know what Hunter thinks about it. We have not discussed it. I'm curious to see where this goes. It is an American werewolf in London, directed by John Landis, starring David Naughton, Jenny Getter, Crush That Crush Button, Griffin Dunn, and John Woodvine, and that's what we're going to be talking tonight on the last Halloween episode of Extras and Epilogues on the Puzzle of the 1985 Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the theater. My name is Shannon Young. With me, of course, I have my co-host slash other host for the evening, Double H.
0: I wanted to quote something, but the only thing in my head right now is just bop 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 ding 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 ding
1: The one quote, I can't get rid of it. The one quote that always stuck with me out of that movie the most, and it's what I have here in the podcast recording. It's the scene where um where Jack is talking to David. I think it's the second time he talks to him after he's turned into a zombie, and they're in uh, the nurse uh, nurse's house. And David's mm. sitting on the couch. He just looks at him and says, "I do not accept this." Like it just so defiantly, I do not accept it's this. It's very just, yeah, yeah. So to me, this is the ultimate werewolf film. Surprisingly, they don't make a lot of werewolf films, and the amount of good werewolf films I can literally count on one hand. When you, when you talk about vampires in Hollywood, there are so many good vampire films. There are so many good zombie films. Uh, there's, uh, I, I guess, the only one that I can think of that's worse is maybe Frankenstein. There's like two good Frankenstein films and the rest are kind of garbage. But Yeah. To that's me, fair. Werewolves seem like such an easy monster movie to make and yet here we are talking about an American werewolf in London which came out in 1981, a year before <laughs> I was born, and it 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 came out around the same time if I remember correctly as The Howling. I think let me look that yes. up real quick. Same year. It is the same exact year? same
0: yeah. year. I can confirm that. And I'm pretty sure The Howling came out before it actually cuz London uh, it doesn't come out until August 21st of that year. I think The Howling came out back in the summer, spring or summer. So,
1: And both are classic um, werewolf movies. They're probably the two yeah. best werewolf movies of all time, and they came out in the same right. year, as crazy as that is. Let's 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 run down the stats real quick on this bad boy before we get into the meat and taters of it. Uh, 97 minutes <laughs> of werewolf action and uncomedy. Uh, Again, assist-
0: I I, I got to talk about it because we've stress mentioned it a couple times it. now a sweet spot for yes. movies. Please, yes. for the love of God, start making more movies that are approximately an hour and a half long.
1: Dude, we watched. Can we go back to it? We watched uh, the Tom Savini remake of Night of the Living Dead the other night, and it, it clocks yeah. in at I believe eighty eight minutes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you don't need it's to. Perfect. St- I don't understand the need to no. to stretch things out just to stretch things out. You could tell a good story no. in an hour and a half, give or take a little bit. That's the sweetest.
0: To part. me, a long movie should be two hours. Two hours are just over. Yeah. Like I remember when I was a kid watching, you know, the the Star Wars movies are both or they're all all three. The original three are like a little over two hours, if I remember correctly. One of them is peaking up around two thirty that's as long as these fucking things should be yeah anything past that i mean as much as i have not quite fallen off the marvel bandwagon the way that a lot of other people have i too when i go to see one of those movies go oh god can we can we cut it down
1: (laughs) please okay not to get on a tangent but some of those marvel films i can understand why they would be that long you know you got a movie like the avengers uh infinity war game
0: yeah i mean you've got to have a ton of stuff they even left stuff cut out that people later went how did you cut this out
1: right but, but but then you have a movie like you know um, I don't know I, I don't know how long it was but like Captain Marvel Captain Marvel probably doesn't need to be two hours uh, a Thor movie does not need to be two hours They're,
0: the the most recent Ant Man movie off the top of my head is the most egregious one there's no reason that movie should have been like almost two and a half hours long
1: right it's way too much way too much it's it's one of the things I hate most about Hollywood <laughs> right now and I love you remember SNL did that skit a couple years ago. With yes. Davidson talking about the sweet <laughs> yeah, spot, yeah, because it was films. the
0: Netflix thing. If I remember correctly, yeah. there was they were like this, you know, Netflix should have a section of like short horror movies. That's what I want, and then that's ne- what I want to watch.
1: And then Netflix created it in response. And as funny as it. that is, yeah. Uh, but hey, sweet spot on this movie, and this movie is the sweet spot when it comes to, in my opinion. I know a lot of people say Shaun of the Dead is the best comedy horror film. This is my favorite comedy horror film. Um, directed by John Landis, as I said before, budget of $6 million versus a $62 million box office. It was a, a genuine hit. Uh, critical reception is good all over the board for the most part. 89% positive critic reviews, uh, 7.8 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. 55 out of 100 on Metacritic, which surprises me. Um, I didn't know that this movie was so down the middle to in, in some places. I thought this was a pretty universally loved horror film, and this... Coming from John Landis was right before I think, uh, not too long before his fall from grace after the incident that happened on the set of the Twilight Zone. Which, if you've never heard that story, look it up, but don't watch the video. It's a tragic tale. Um, yeah,
0: that uh, if I remember correctly, that happens a little bit later in the eighties, and that's kind of from that point on the the beginning of the end for him. If not quite literally the end. I mean that that's that pretty much puts it to an end. He it's it's hard to act like he's not at some fault. For this obviously what happened was an accident um but, but he was also careless. was kind of in charge of that set yeah it was a okay. careless situation um, now for people to still rail on the guy years and years later after it i remember distinctly um you know when max landis his son was in the midst of kind of dealing with his own pr fallout him saying you know the stuff that people say to me about what happened with my dad something i wasn't even there for i had nothing to do with um is vile and, and frankly, if you're using it just to get at somebody that's vile in and of itself, but you right. know, that, that's a whole, and and, that's a whole other issue for a whole other thing.
1: And the crazy thing, you know what they didn't do? They didn't charge a Mac or a John Landis with murder. Like they, like they're doing with yeah. Mel Gibson or not Mel Gibson. Yeah. Um, uh, Alec, Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Yeah. The only thing you can right. charge Mel Gibson yeah. with is, well, that's maybe that's an after dark episode. Can't really talk about <laughs> that let's, let's talk about American Werewolf in London because this – I can't remember the first time I watched this film, but um I fell in love with it the moment I watched it. Werewolves have always been my favorite horror monsters, which does make me sad that they don't make very many good werewolf films. But yeah. to, to me, there's there's two kind of werewolves. There is the, the werewolf itself, which is more of the beastly monster, and then there's the wolf man. I almost I almost treat them like two different things, because the Wolfman to me has never been scary and it's never been interesting. I know it is a classic film. No. They they remade it a couple years ago with Benicio del Toro. I thought it was a decent enough film and Anthony Hopkins, but the Wolfman has never has never appealed to me. But a werewolf, just a giant hulking monster, just a beast and ferocious, has always been super cool to me. And the the design of the werewolf in this movie is and always will be probably my favorite werewolf design it's more wolf than man yeah. but it's it's legitimately terrifying it, it is one of the scariest looking monsters i think you'll ever see um i actually have the the, the uh the kessler werewolf i have a, a figure of him in my theater room and um not only the look of the werewolf but the sound the howl that the werewolf makes mm-hmm is the it's my second i told ethan this earlier it's my second favorite monster sound in a film first being of course the godzilla roar godzilla yeah right but the kessler werewolf that howl it's terrifying the first time i heard that as a kid it literally scared me i was always afraid i'd be walking outside and i would hear that noise because it is is (laughs) absolutely uh horrifying that that sound there um,
0: if there's if there's something I could not would not even remotely attempt to critique about this movie, it is the werewolf in and of itself. It is like you said, the sound design. It's the the appearance. Uh, pretty much at any given time that it's shown, there's one brief shot in the the Piccadilly uh, Circus um, chase down where you can almost see on the back end like that it's on wheels. Yeah, there's a split second, and that's really not the design. That's more of a cinematography issue. Right. Um, But, but I mean, obviously we're going to talk about it at length at some point in time with the transformation sequence. I mean, basically everything regarding the werewolf in and of itself is absolutely incredible. And it does blow my mind. Sarah actually mentioned this because um, we're now not entirely certain that she had ever seen this movie mm-hmm. until tonight. For some reason, we were under the impression we both had seen it, uh, but she didn't remember anything about it. Uh, but I distinctly remember her going, okay, so this is the movie, right? Like at the end of the transformation, she goes, "She's like this, this is why this movie is what it is. I'm like, yep, that's it. <laughs> I mean, it, at the end of the day, if you, if nothing else appeals to you, you can't watch that sequence and go, well, that's bad. Right. Nope. It's- Nin-
1: 1981. All- I mean- <laughs> Pract- practical effects. It's a, it's not a And, all right, so I, I don't, we'll talk about this later in the epilogues part, because we do talk about what happens after the movie, but I, I do want to just take this quick moment to compare this film to its sort of sequel, An American Werewolf in Paris, which, yeah. uh, what's sad is a lot of people I know that know the An American Werewolf movies know Paris and don't know London. And right. the CG werewolves in that film were terrible. That movie is terrible. Yes. Almost on every level, yes. that movie is terrible. It, yes. It's it's a rehash in a way of this film, um, just just dumber, dumber, and yeah. and I guess for the MTV generation, this is during the eighties when I think it is the best. You know, we talked about what the the nineties are the best uh, decade for movies, uh, according to that list. But well, 90,
0: 99, 99 is the yeah, best year yeah, that's overall. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. But I think the eighties is the best decade for horror films. Uh, it's just nothing but gold coming out of the eighties. You know. I
0: think, if, I think if you had to stack them up, while 99 might be the most stacked year individually, I think it's hard to, to act like the 80s are not basically the best decade yeah. for movies. Just for movies in general, but like you said, horror especially, yes.
1: It was the golden era. Of, it's not the golden era of, of horror, because I think technically the golden era would be you know the Universal Monsters and Dracula and Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney, the, those kind of guys. Um,
0: oh man, but is any of that horror? I mean, at a certain point, all of that stuff was just movies. Like, you didn't even really have genres back then. Uh, you look at the 80s and you talk about, I, I hesitate to call John Landis an auteur, but movies like this that have some, some real, you know, directorial structure and integrity and all of that. Uh, you talk about it's, it's the advent and the birth of the slasher. So yeah, yeah, Halloween gets claimed by the seventies, but everything after that, Friday, the 13th nightmare Nightmare on Elm street, Street, all the, all the copycats, all the other stuff that comes after that Um, scream only happens in the nineties because the eighties exists. Yeah.
1: So yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get off on too much here, I do want to mention this. I've asked people this a million times that have watched the film and no one ever sees what I see, but I want to know if you saw what I saw. So the the head doctor in the hospital, yeah. is it just me or does he look like a, an older um, Daniel Craig? Yeah, I can see that. He looked it looks like Daniel Craig went back in time as a, an older gentleman and decided to, to pick up acting again and he started <laughs> being in film. this film. I couldn't yeah. I can't not see it. Every time I watch the movie I can't not see it. Well, I think um, he also
0: he has a very similar cadence to his voice even if they don't have the exact same sort of pitch, they follow the same kind of rhythm yeah. and speaking pattern. And same, so I think that adds to that.
1: It is uh, it's in the eyes too. There's something about the eyes, yeah. but even if you don't like the horror aspect of this film, it is a comedy as well, and there are some genuinely funny moments in this film. of uh, the the rapport between David and Jack, um, it, and 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 their whole story together. You know, it's it's very easy to kind of write Jack off once he's killed. Spoiler alert, of course, at the beginning of the film. But their interactions at the beginning. You show a real sign of friendship, like it, it. felt genuine to me. And then when he died, you could tell that you know they didn't treat Jack as an afterthought. He was a continued character throughout the thing, not just that he kept showing up and and trying to convince David to kill himself. Which, by the way, shows up, and every time he shows up, he looks worse than he did before. And I love that right. the constant rotting <laughs> of of Jack in the film. Yeah. Um. And yeah, st- absolutely. And he still plays it for comic for comedic value. But the, the way the characters talk about each other, I mean, there's there's depth to this. The hard part about horror films, especially nowadays, is generally what they do is they take a group of either unlikable or forgettable characters, see most Friday the 13th films, and they throw them right. in, in a situation where they all get slaughtered and you're you're just, you're happy to see them get killed. That's the movie. Horror sure. Horror movies like this, though, they take time to develop the characters and make you care about them. And then at the end, which we'll talk about here a little bit, it has an emotional, it's an emotional gut punch, you know. Um, I I could I could literally go on about this film for the next forty minutes and never get you uh, a word in. So I'm gonna step back for a second and, and and get your thoughts on the movie before we you know dive deeper.
0: Oh, I don't know. Maybe we should just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> oh, did you not like it? No. So that it's it's not that I didn't like it. Um, but I, I can I can almost give away my my rating for this. So we we literally just watched it, and I know the last time that I saw this movie was sometime in college. So it has been. Approximately twenty years since I've seen this movie. Um, I did like parts of it. I definitely like some aspects of it. Again, the the I was going to say the CGI because that's just my go to for special effects. The special effects, the transformation, the 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 werewolf in general, as I said earlier, is top notch. Doesn't get any better than that. It's literally as good as it gets. Um, I think most of the movie is paced really well. I, I like the, the flow of the action. I do think there are definitely some times where Landis really loves a long shot, man. And I think he he sometimes spends a little too long on things that didn't need it. Uh, the super extended sequence of David in uh, Alex's apartment before the transformation. I distinctly remember about the fourth time he paced back and forth in the living room. I went, okay, what are we doing? <laughs> like,
1: Let's... I, I think we look at that in different ways because knowing I've seen the movie a million times it's like Ghostbusters for yeah. me, and knowing yeah. what's coming uh the build-up of the dread because if you've never seen the film before I think it it can come across as boring because you don't know what's about to happen but knowing what's ab- literally about to happen the next moment it's almost like that calm before the storm and I think that's on purpose but I get what you're saying absolutely there there are shots in this film that I didn't I didn't think were necessary I mean, it's not a perfect film. No film is perfect. That that would be a mistake to call any movie perfect. Even Ghostbusters we've talked about. It's our favorite film, but it's it's not perfect. Um, The extended sequences where David is running through the forest when he attacks the deer. I get he's supposed to be, you know, going through some things mentally and all that. But I always thought those scenes were kind of unnecessary. They didn't really advance anything. They didn't really. Right. And then, oh, Jesus Christ, the werewolf monster or the uh, Nazi monsters that kill his family. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird for the sake of being weird.
0: So so I, I looked up something about that because I I straight up forgot that any of that happened. And so that was the part where of course this is before the actual werewolf transformation which Sarah was into. When the Nazi thing happened, she looked at me and goes, I'm sorry, what the fuck is going on? Yeah that's it's what the- what is happening it's She so didn't weird. even notice that they were Nazis. Like she was like, wait, they were Nazis? That was the thing? Yeah. So I, I looked up an explanation that, that someone had tried to give because I was like, I want to hear what other people are saying about this. And there was this long description about how, you know, David Kessler, the character anyway, is Jewish. He right. is meant to be Jewish. It's very much explicitly said that he is Jewish. Um and so he's kind of going through this. You know, this movie comes out in 1981, which means we're just 40 years or so removed, not even quite in some cases, from the Nazi regime. This is uh, a Jewish person who is now in a part of the world that is the seat of where a lot of this stuff happened. Uh, He's having a fever dream, right? He's coming out of a traumatic incident. And so he has this kind of moment of just, like, imagining that happening. Now, that's great, and that's, that's some good symbolism if that's what it is. Why the fuck did any of it need to happen in this movie?
1: It it did. What it, what does it add it, to this movie? What does it do for it? it like, the, the weirdest part about it too to me is that they sell those Nazi monsters as as like figures to 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 purchase and put up there. Of, yeah, of all the things, that's like weird. It's it's very weird. I always the only reason I liked it was just for the the weirdness of it. Like I I I'll, well sure I'd be laughing. Yeah, it's a I, great
0: scene in a bubble.
1: Yeah, like you got you got the Muppets playing on TV for some reason. Right. Um, which, which is the whole reason that Kermit and Miss Piggy
0: get credited as him and herself in the credits yes, of the movie. <laughs> but I I also
1: loved, because I'd never seen the dude before, I loved Frank Oz in this movie. Very briefly. Oh, yeah. yeah. As the American yep. kind of embassy guy. Um, And I always tell people, I'm like, you know, that's Frank Oz. They're like, no, it's not. I'm like, listen to that's, the voice. Yoda. If you don't hear right. it in the voice, yeah, you know. True. Come on, it's yep. it's it's strange to see him in in an actual role, and then to have the the Muppets on TV during that scene was very very strange. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I'll let you continue. I'm gonna it's interrupt okay. you. Every time. No, it's okay. It's it's this um... isn't gonna be like Kaz in the Matrix. I'm not gonna try to convince <laughs> you you're wrong. But No, and,
0: think... and again, the thing is it's not it's not that I it's not even that I didn't like the movie. I just there are parts that I like, there are parts that I dislike. Um I I feel like you were talking about character development and really making me care about those characters. Um I can see some of that and I agree with some of it, but at the same time there were definitely things that I thought, oh, that really could have used a lot more attention or explanation. I mean, you tell me you take out the, the weird Nazi dream sequence and give me a little more reason to feel this nurse and this character falling in love with each other. And then maybe I could get down on that a little more. Um, I distinctly remember watching that whole relationship develop and going,
1: you sure about that? Uh, what like, I got, you, from you sure that? about that? What I got from that, not to go all Cas on you, but from what I got from that, uh, <laughs> he was in there for, I think they said a couple of weeks it wasn't just three weeks yeah three weeks and, three weeks and she you know in her explanation to him her very awkward explanation you know telling him i've only had seven lovers three of which were one night stands you to me she very much strikes as a very uh in the moment kind of person and taking care of this guy for three weeks and he is a handsome guy and he was charming unlike a lot of horror film kind of protagonists that come across as kind of, you know, a dick or annoying or obnoxious. Uh, David Kessler is not those things. He's a very... Sure, I likable. agree with that. He's a, he's a likable character. And, and that's one thing, again, I like about this film is there are no unlikable characters. There is no one in this film that makes you go, God, I wish they wouldn't show up because they irritate the shit out right. of you. Um, right. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. So I could see um, her... Uh, I, don't, I don't know about true love, but I could see the attraction. I could see it being a thing, you know? I think I, I, think I just would have liked...
0: I would have liked a little more attention paid to if if the, if the heart of the movie is this guy and this girl are in love, or at least they're trying to figure it out. And that's, what's going to be, you know, the, the defining moment of the end of this movie. I needed to believe it more. And I didn't, Uh, it's, it's fine for you to tell me that this relationship was, you know, over the course of three weeks, he was uh, unconscious. And then we see it develop. But, but I don't see that. I see her coming to the room. I see her come back again into the room later and do the little, the little feed sequences, like a little meet cute thing. That's fun. Um, but then afterward uh, to me, there was very little, if anything, maybe a little lip service paid to why he doesn't just go home. Like why he stays in London with her. Um, that seemed awkward when when he comes home in the morning uh, from the zoo a little bit later and immediately just kind of dives onto her and she's got the doctor in her ear on on the phone going like, this is bad. You need to get him here. Is he is he OK? Yeah, I think he's fine. He's trying to currently hit on me and get me to have sex with him. But, you know, I think he's fine, even though Wait. he was gone all night. And,
1: and the, the, it's, fact, it's the just, fact that anyone that could wake up in the zoo naked and they don't make a bigger deal out of that. You know he right. He, he didn't. It was such. Right. It was such a non moment. He just wakes up naked. Now, he makes a joke. There's a very funny part where he steals balloons from a little kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it leads to one of the best lines in the movie, which is a naked American man stole my balloons, mommy. Hey, what? Um, <laughs> and her just what? <laughs> That's great. And it's a fun little sequence. But it would it would have been much more fun had he. Like, this is weird to say, but it would have been more fun had he not had someone to go home to had he had to try to figure this thing out on his own and had there been more of his interactions with Jack, and that would have been a great place, honestly, for Jack to show up and go, I told you. Okay, do you right. believe me now? I fucking told you. Um, um I, don't, I don't know. The, the, the relationship to me felt very forced. There wasn't enough uh, development of, of those characters for that. Or, well, of that relationship, not necessarily of the characters, but of that relationship. And that brought the whole thing down for me a little bit. By the way, just to sum things up, uh, we were we were talking about the the Metacritic score and you said it surprised you so I went and looked I don't often go look at specific sites for this uh, but I was curious about one and sure enough it matches up almost exactly with a lot of the stuff that I'm saying uh Roger Ebert who is one of our, you know, mine and yours, both personal heroes in this kind of business of the Chicago. Sun Times. you cannot see his full review on the website for the paper anymore, uh, but he gave it a 50 right down the middle. Uh, And the pull quote they have from that says seems curiously unfinished as if director John Landis spent all his energy on spectacular set pieces and then didn't want to bother with things like transitions, character development, or an ending.
1: <laughs> oh, no. See, I disagree with that. I love the ending. I love the ending, and I think the ending plays into what I was going to say about their relationship because one of the things he says early on when he thinks he's a werewolf, and he... I love that they never treat it like he actually is a werewolf until he is one. Even the doctor, when he goes back to the the, the small little village and he talks to the people at the slaughtered left. He land, calls it mass hypnosis. Or mass, not mass, mass hypnosis, uh, it's mass neurosis, neurosis, I think. Yeah, it's a hysteria. If if they believe yeah. that he's a werewolf and he, then he believes he's a werewolf, he might hurt somebody. There there's a you know, they sure. they try to make it a little more realistic. But when he's going off and he's telling her about it and he mentions the wolf man with Lon Cheney, and he says that, you know, she mentions silver bullets and he kinda laughs it off and uh, says that he thinks only love can save somebody from that. And I think that ties directly into the ending because when she says, I love you and you have it here in the notes, he, for a moment, he looks like he's recognizes her, but then he immediately charges at her to kill her. I don't know whether that's to mean that he didn't love her and maybe it wasn't legit or just that it's not true. Love can't save you. And this is going to happen no matter what it is. I thought it was a, it was a fittingly bleak ending. Um, if she would have somehow saved him in the end, I would have hated it. I think the fact that she says I love you and he still tries to kill her and they end up shooting him dead, I think that's a great ending. I don't know what he means by there's no way
0: there. So, so okay, here's here's what my thought is on his take on that, and it also ties into to my uh, disappointment with the ending. I don't think you're wrong about any of what you just said. I think all of that is great. I think the problem, and I know we both, in a way, I kind of love it. The smash cut to the to the really fast paced yeah, version Moon. of Blue Moon that yeah. plays over the credits. Yeah, um, it's it. I kind of love it in a this is bad, but I love it sort of way. I guess, for lack of a better term, it. it when he says that the movie doesn't seem to have an ending. All that stuff you just described is great. I don't think it's a proper ending, though. If I'm looking at it from a a story structure perspective, the plot pyramid's got five sections to it, right? Exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, and resolution. The climax happens in the movie. David gets shot. The resolution, everyone runs in to see that he has indeed, you know, reverted back to being human. There's really no... Resolution. I'm sorry. That was the falling action. There really is no resolution. There is no no final finality like to that. And I don't need 20 more minutes of everyone wrapping up individual stories.
1: But I I feel like I do need something well, see, there. I, I, to me, that is the that is the finale. That is the finality of it. He's dead. He's dead, and that's it. Like what else? But it doesn't. It. it but it effectively then
0: leaves out what and it's what we're going to talk about what happens to these characters after that but like you've Back-ass. quite literally just had, <laughs> he could have stayed he would have been good for this yeah. you've quite literally just had a werewolf go on a rampage in piccadilly circus now i understand that there, there was never an intention or i guess originally to make a equal to this but you're leaving a big piece of the puzzle on the table there like what what happens in the wake of that does it get covered up and somehow what happens to the other characters are they vindicated are they vilified um i would have loved to at least seen what happens to the to the people that he killed you know they wanted him to die so they could move on a second's worth of that would have been nice it feels very abrupt to yes, me it no, feels 100%. like just a yeah. bam it's over but
1: i but i think that's uh, the and, point, you know like to me, I don't, I, I, don't need a scene of Jack and David meeting in heaven and him saying, "Hey, thanks for dying, so I could go to heaven." I, I don't need any of that. Of th- he's dead, and and that's the end of the story. Um, but I agree with you. I do agree with you. I am curious to know what would happen afterwards. I am curious to know because all the werewolf attacks before that were straight up covered up by this local, these villagers, and right. it always bothered me. Because I always thought, why why did they let them go out to the moors? Why did they let them leave? Why wouldn't they keep them there? Even if they had to lie to them or something, why wouldn't they keep them? Why would they protect this monster that's out there? And then, of course, I realized literally today, I've seen this movie a million times, and the thought dawned on me today because this guy was probably one of their friends. He was probably one of them, and they were trying to cover it up. Because they didn't want anything bad to happen to him, and then they killed him. And then they killed him because they got pushed to the point of no return, and and they finally realized, you know, we're we're you know, there's a part where he says it's murder, then, and he's like, murder, it is. Um. So I am curious to see what would happen in the wake of this, because there's no way you can there's no way you can cover this up. This was a straight up werewolf attacking people in in front of everybody, and one of the to me one of the all time great. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. Carnage scenes, cars are crashing into each oh, yeah. other. People are heads are falling That's, off. That scene's incredible. So, yeah. So, so what do you? <laughs> it Sounds say like about a bit that?
0: from Dumb and Dumber. Our pets' heads are falling off. Um, <laughs> no, it's the, it's but a but great then they made scene. That
1: dumbass uh, sequel, An American Werewolf in Paris, and they don't refer I don't. I think they do reference it in there somewhere. But like, part of the reason I I I never wanted them to make a sequel to it is because where do you take the story from there? And we'll talk about that later. Uh, You openly have to admit werewolves are real at that point, right? Like, you have to.
0: Right. There's no no avoiding that. And I think that's what's bothersome about the way that it ends is that it feels like this wouldn't have been the case at the time because you didn't have that kind of television at the time. But to me now, it feels like the ending. Well, this is kind of poignant. It feels like the ending to an episode of a Mike Flanagan series. That is <laughs> smash cuts to that ending, and then the next episode is going to pick up where that left off and and do something next and again. No pickup. I I don't right there's no pickup. I, right. I I don't need I don't need twenty minutes like like a Lord of the Rings movie wrapping up everybody's individual story with a, a five second sequence of all the people. I just need. I mean, I would have even appreciated a cut back to. Alex and her grief and the doctor and him like getting her out of there or something even just a little denouement just something other than just he's laying there dead smash cut to black credits because there's there's well I I don't know to me there is more to the story than that and that's always gonna bother
1: me they did cut back to I mean literally I think the last thing you see is her crying and then it goes right into the to the whatever and I I don't I, think so, man. I think it's him. I, I think it's to, him laying I to have to watch it again because I did it's not get to – one of the two. I didn't get to watch the ending, uh, unfortunately, today. Um, I, yeah. I I cut off right at the part at the porno theater. Um, but I think if they had done more, it wouldn't have been as memorable of an ending. This is a unique ending to me, and I, I like that. But I can yeah. see the criticism Yeah, I mean, I'll give you, you that. Um, the abrupt ending – the last time I watched this before today – I watched it with somebody, and she had never seen it before. And when yeah, that we part, talked about this, <laughs> yeah, when that part happened and they cut to that song, she just looks at me. And she goes, "Is that it?" And I think that sums up probably what a lot of people thought when they saw it. Is that it? I, but but what else happens? I want yeah. more. But I think, I think that's impactful. I think that leaves a a a more of uh, memorable moment and feeling than if they had dragged it out and done any kind of you know um, prologue, um, not prologue have a lot thank you like in the the fucking show show.
0: (laughs) i was wondering if it was gonna kick in it did it's okay all right
1: all right (laughs) one thing i also i loved about the film and i hope you enjoyed as well i I really did like the humor there are some parts in there that i thought were legitimately funny and um (laughs) the when they're in the bar and he's telling the story about the alamo And uh, that story gets, I I knew
0: that joke, so I knew where it was going. I've heard that joke before, Uh, but I, and I knew what it got started. I mean, the best part of the, the, the best comedic part for me for that is when they're all laughing and Jack just cuts (laughs) through, you know, Hey, what's with that thing on the wall? And they all just
1: stop (laughs) and stare at it. And he throws the, he misses the dart and you know, you made me miss.
0: It's that awkward, sort of almost... uh, It's approaching, I think you should leave, level humor. Right. Um, Just uncomfortable. Like I said, the the kid in the zoo, I think that's a great line to just just have... Anything that a British kid says so earnestly is always going to be funny. And deadpan.
1: Very deadpan. And deadpan. That's
0: that's how they deliver it. I I, I will say, though, the humor is not all hits for me. The bumbling detective character does nothing for me it's it feels very forced
1: it, it was out of place I, but i thought it was inoffensive and when he knocks over the stuff in the room ru- in the uh when they were having the discussion oh kidney pans yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was kind of funny uh but my fun my favorite it's, part it's fine i i think the funniest scene in the movie and it's such a weird spot it's in the porno there what he's in the porn theater he's watching this porn and and this guy and this woman, the are guy who comes the and door. he just walks in, he says it's something like, I told you never to do this again. And he says, yeah. I promised you no such thing. Not you, her. And she says, I've never seen you before in my life. And he just goes, oh, my mistake. Well. And he just walks. Walks out. Just leaves. Yeah, because
0: they they created that sequence specifically for the movie. Um, it's it's credited in the credits as its own little like mini movie. Um, <laughs> that was so you can tell John Landis just really wanted to shoehorn that stuff. And and, that, and, and, and it's, so wrong, it's
1: so pointless. It's so. it so is funny.
0: funny. But that's, I think that's what ends up bugging me as I'm watching shit like that. I'm watching the Nazi fever dream (laughs) sequence and I'm going, my God, if you cut all of this stuff or at least cut it down a little bit, you've got another five to 10 minutes of movie and a movie that is a really good runtime, 97 minutes, just over an hour and a half. You cut that stuff. And instead of cutting it completely, you give me more development of these characters that you really want me to get into. Again, you give me maybe just a minute after David gets taken down of somebody saying something. Give me a good classic line at the end. And I think I would have been a little more on board with the story. Again, it's it's those, it's to use Ebert's word, it's the transitions. It's the get me from point A to point B instead of just here's where we are, this is what we're doing, now it's done. Um, I, I would have loved that stuff more personally anyway.
1: I thought there was a very poignant scene when he goes into the uh, the, the the telephone booth and calls back home. Booth. Yeah. And, and basically says his goodbyes. I thought that was a sweet. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was a sweet scene. I thought I like I, uh, I liked the K, the David Kessler character. I liked all the characters of the movie. Like I said, there was yeah. nobody in this film I didn't like. I put
0: a note in there. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but so when he calls to talk to his family, um, he gets the the younger sister on the phone, right? Rachel. He calls yeah. her Rachel. Uh, at one point in time, he says, you know, be good to your brother, Max. And, and he, you know, he's gross. No, he's not gross. Be good to him. Don't don't fight with him. Um, Rachel and Max, of course, John Landis's real life children.
1: Yeah. Max
0: Landis and his yeah. older sister's name is Rachel. So. Uh, that's he stuck a thing. little, he stuck that's a little good. one in there, but yeah, it's, that's, that's a good sequence. I, I did enjoy that. Uh, like you said, the, the, the David Naughton, uh, Kessler character is just, he, he's, um, he's a good protagonist in the sense that, like you said, you, you feel for him. He's a normal guy who gets caught up in a very unnormal a situation.
1: Country. He's an American in Right. In a foreign country. No yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. So that's no good, uh, in general. Um, yeah i i got nothing bad to say about him overall as a, as an actor as a character i, I think all of that was was great in and of itself again i would have loved more about his relationships with other people but him himself sure got I, no problem
1: there. i would have loved more werewolf that that's my other um complaint about the film you yeah. only get one good the the scene in the subway when the businessman is running a, a, a him down. businessman by the way um <laughs> no way a real businessman. when he you see the werewolf um and i told ethan i was like watch the top of the screen because you only see it for a few seconds maybe like a second but you see the yeah. we, the werewolf kind of walk out and then you don't see him again until much much later you get the big reveal when he attacks everybody um yeah i i hate that you have such a good werewolf and they barely use him, but i guess that makes it better because that makes it feel more special again sure watch yeah. an american werewolf in paris or don't because there are werewolves all over that damn thing, and <laughs> and it's awful. Like I can't stress to you how much I dislike that film. Maybe I need to watch it again and give it another chance. But if this movie is dripping with you know eighties humor and effects, then that one is dripping with nineties bad CG and forced humor and edgy comedy. Yeah. Um, well, again, the best that. thing
0: to come out of that that second movie is uh, the Bush song "Mouth" that's on the <laughs> that's on the soundtrack. That's it. That's the best thing.
1: And they they tried to. Put so much of this movie in that one. um I forget her name. She was in Happy Gilmore. She was the love interest. I don't remember her name, but she's in that one as basically the Jack role. She's killed by the main character, who then you know says, "You need to die so I can um move on." And I also don't remember there being much of a resolution with her. But she was a very unlikable character. There were a lot of very unlikable characters in that movie. Julie Bowen is Julie that Bowen. the actress? Julie Bow- And I like yeah, Julie, Julie Bowen. Julie Bowen's works. a good actress. But uh, I just did not care for for that movie as a whole. Again, why werewolf films are so hard to do? I don't understand why horror comedies are so hard to do. I don't understand. Um, I think this one is fantastic. I think Shaun of the Dead is fantastic. They horror and comedy to me go very well together. And- well, yeah, I mean, you and I, I
0: mean, my God, it's over my shoulder. We've talked about it a million times. Right. Ghostbusters, number one, right? Top yeah. of the crop. Yeah. And while it is decidedly more, if you want to get really technical, of a comedy horror movie, right? It's meant to be a comedy and it's got some horror elements and some, some action. Uh, like you said, I think, I think the reason those two become that peanut butter and jelly, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, but is because they're opposite sides of the, the same coin. People say that's comedy and drama. Well, kind of but horror is a tension buildup that doesn't necessarily engage you emotionally. You can feel horror without feeling bad about your, your real life. Right. Drama. Yes, that's why I love it. Yeah. Right. Dra- drama pulls you into uh, not always real world situations, but the kind of things that make you emotional about shit that, really could and often does happen to you whereas horror most people are not going to experience most horror stuff in their life right so you get that tension and that build up and that uh, release that comes then from the comedy that goes with it and like you said it's it's peanut butter and jelly um so yeah i, I agree i wish more people would i don't want to say i wish more people would attempt it because as asa would say that feels like a monkey's paw situation oh really all right we're gonna make a million bad horror yeah. comedies every year right um, but they're, they're, I wish more people would put time and effort into one. That's what I'm that's what I want.
1: There's also in this movie I think there are real moments of dread. Um again, the the part where Jack is talking to David about, you know, you're going to be a werewolf, you'll kill people, you need to kill yourself now yeah. and 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 David says I do not accept this and um the, the part where he tells him you know don't cry just all the build up to when he finally becomes a werewolf um there is a creeping dread of you as the audience knows this is going to happen and david does not he does not think this is real right. and then once it happens him trying to get himself arrested him basically i mean he just basically ditches alex completely at that point because he's trying to keep her away from him um yeah you know something terrible is going to happen and then literally the worst thing happens he goes he turns into a werewolf in a fucking porno theater and then starts murdering people <laughs> by the way the the creepy guy that walks over to him in transformation and just sits there and stares at him as he's going like get away yeah. from me. And the dude's just yeah. watching him like that that hit too close to home. You put blinders <laughs> in front of that guy. That's ugh, <laughs> anyway. All right, all right. Enough gibber jawing about the film. Let's uh let's get to the reviews here. Um surprisingly, I am not gonna give this two thumbs up. I am giving it a thumb up because it is my favorite horror really? film. But um, uh, to me, two thumbs up should be reserved for like the best of the best. Ghostbusters is two thumbs up. Phantom of the Opera to me is two thumbs up. Um, An American Werewolf in London is a great movie. It's a solid horror film. I love it. Just because it's your favorite doesn't mean it's the best. Um, Sure. But it it is my all time favorite horror film. It's, It's funny. It's touching in moments. It's got the best werewolf ever put to cinema. And it's shocking to me. That it's what forty-three years later, and or forty-two years later, and we still 42. have, and we still have not made a werewolf film that can, can do it that can match up to well, it.
0: Well, can do it. Somebody's got to be able to do it. They just haven't either tried or or succeeded, depending on which way you want to look at it. Uh,
1: Hunter, I'm really struggling um, to think of. I, I said I can name them on my hand in five. America Werewolf in London, The Howling. Um,
0: Paris. I mean I guess technically you got to include Paris oh, on no, I'm there saying of, in terms of of, of
1: of good ones. Good all oh, good yeah. ones. Okay.
0: I thought you just meant a general. No, no.
1: Howling American Werewolf in London. I mean, it's probably the reason you're thinking of those is because you
0: used to think Dog Soldiers was one and now Fuck, you know better. Man.
1: God. <laughs> uh, I really did. It was on my list and now it's not. Yeah. I'm glad American yeah. Werewolf in London didn't go that way. Uh what about you? What do you yeah. say? I think I know. I I think I know. I'm for, gonna, yeah, I'm going to give it a try. I
0: kind of yeah, I've, I've kind of hinted at it the whole time, but it's, I, and I think this is the first time I've done this on this show, which is, we're 13 episodes in. And I don't know that I've ever done this. It is one up, one down for me. It's right, it's right square in the middle. Basically, for all the same reasons you mentioned, uh, it being one for you. It's one of your favorites, but you recognize it has, its, or you recognize that it has its flaws. Of course. Um, I'm, I'm in the same sort of boat it's it's not really one of my favorites in the sense that I have only seen it honestly a few times uh, at the end of the day and you know having seen it for the first time in 20 something years I liked it I didn't love it I thought there were some really great things I thought there were some things I really didn't get into and it, it, it uh, could have spent more time doing some stuff it could have spent less time doing some other things so yeah to me it's right down the middle it's definitely worth a watch I think if you are a, uh, a dedicated horror fan and if you're if you grew up in the 80s or if you like that kind of movie, you're gonna lean more toward the the up. Um, if you're not, if that's not your kind of thing, if you're not into stuff that's like a little awkward and a little off kilter and and has its you know flaws and shows them, eh, you're gonna be a little further down there. It's so very, for me,
1: it's quirky. It's yeah,
0: quirky. yeah, and that's that's the thing. I can I can. I don't want to say tolerate because that makes it sound like I'm just dealing with it. I can appreciate some level of quirkiness and, and kind of offbeatness. And it said, sometimes it gets a little too much for me, for me. So that's why it puts it right in the middle for me, for sure.
1: Um, In terms of the epilogue, I know this is going to be a short episode because I'm just going to be honest with you. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't want there to be, I don't want there to be a sequel. I don't, I don't want, I don't want anything to continue on after this. I To me, this is one of those stories that I think should be a one and done and it, it, to me, it's 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 not perfect, but it's perfect as it is. Like I I, yeah. I know all the complaints, and I think you have some valid points. But I wouldn't change anything about this film, other than well, no, that's not true. Admittedly, some of the scenes that they went on with that I thought were I agree with you, they were pointless. Other than for the the fact that they were weird. That that's all the only reason they were yeah. there to show that he's having sure. this mental decline and that he's having this crazy fever dream, but without any real explanation about why. It's specifically that you know, like, why is he chasing yeah. a deer in the woods and eating it? I'm guessing because that's a very bestial thing to do. I get right. that, but it seemed unnecessary. I feel like they really put across how bestial he was when he was eating people. Yeah, when he was chewing up yeah, that, that
0: that pretty well sums that up, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't really need to see the build up to that. I do. Uh, I remember as the the first part of that sequence was going on, though. I do appreciate that. They had to have had a trained deer on set, right? And I guess he was told, "Hey, just hug him around the neck and just kind of move around with him." Because <laughs> the first part, the first part, you just kind of see that, and you can see the back end of the deer, like, "What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> and then, and then he comes up and he's got like you know the the fake one, and he's like, all right, you have blood all over him." But before that, I like to imagine that he's just like, "All right, just grab the deer around the neck, just kind of g- give him a little wiggle, right?" And, oh, and then they're like, "All right, that's a wrap on the deer."
1: take him away (laughs) i have another complaint actually i just thought of yes the ferocity that you see uh jack get killed in the beginning because again the dread the dread of when they're walking on the moors when the realization hits them and they look at each other and they recite what the guys just told them stay off the moors but wear the moon they realize they fucked up when the werewolf attacks jack and it's out of nowhere too it's one of the great like jump not a jump scare but it's just out of nowhere the werewolf just grabs him and attacks him
0: it's 81, so nobody was doing that thing yet Where it's like somebody's on the ground And they're like, oh man, help me up And then the attack comes, like the yeah. second beat yeah. yeah, yeah. everyone does it now Nobody was doing it then
1: But the the way the werewolf attacks him And you see little glimpses of the wolf And you see him just getting slaughtered and torn apart they don't yeah. show anyone else really getting killed until the very end i i feel like yeah you could have shown like these people getting killed you could have shown what the werewolf did to them but that's just me as a gore hound that's just me as someone in horror films i like to see the blood and guts a little bit uh when it's done correctly well, and this is a, a fucking you know probably 300 pound monster wolf attacking people right they should be torn to shreds you know
0: I think, I think it's fair to ask for more gore when what's really scary... Oh, okay, that's not entirely true, but bear with me here. What's really scary about werewolves and lycanthropes in general is two things. Number one, the dread that... It's it's the zombie dread. You could become one, too, right? Right. So that's vampires, werewolves, zombies. The fact that you might not... uh, Even if you survive them, you might become them, and is that worse, and et cetera, et cetera. That's the existential dread. The other one is, like you said, it's a 300-pound fucking werewolf with claws and teeth. Yeah, Uh, I think it's fair to want gore when the scary thing about them is, oh, God, they're going to turn me into a pile of gore.
1: Yeah, they're monsters. It's it's like a giant bear attacking you. It's just this ferocious death. Okay, if I have to do the epilogue thing, I will say the only way I would have liked to have an epilogue to this is if they just went balls to the wall with it. Crazy kind of in a way and take the Alex character, have her and the doctor or maybe just her try to trace back this wolf's lineage. Because you know they showed that the last yep. person that because uh, I, I refuse to believe this is the only werewolf in the world as you saw in American Werewolf in Paris it's not, right. um, but if they could go back and try to figure out where it all started find out who got the guy that got David and you know maybe try to get revenge against him and maybe it's like a, a more of an action werewolf film I would have liked that because I love Ginia Gutter I think she is. I love her. I think she's fantastic. Not yes. just in this movie, but I Absolutely. like her in her other films. Again, crush the crush button. I had a huge crush on her growing up. I would love to see her in more stuff. So her and the doctor teaming up to like fight these werewolves like legitimately turn her into a badass and have her fighting yes. werewolves and shit. It's weird and it's stupid and it does not fit the pace of this movie at all, but why not? Let's do it. Uh, You're
0: you're gonna hate me for it, and maybe I don't know because you're you're kind of pitching a a similar on a similar vein as I am. But I I don't think I think the epilogue to this story, uh, to use your word, is a prologue. I think it's a prequel. I think instead of following this with the existing characters, (laughs) (laughs) I think instead of following this movie with the existing characters, I, I I'll acquiesce to you that I don't. Other than what you just mentioned, I don't know that there is a way to follow it up that's interesting and worth it. Other than that. So we go back. I want to see the history of this tavern. I want to see why it is that they're kind of like they feel like they're charged with protecting, you know, if this area, if not the world uh, from from lycanthropes and from werewolves. Um, I want to see how the guy in the beginning becomes one like what's his story, the build up to that. I I think that's the continuation of the story. And I know that's kind of a cop out because it's not really an epilogue. It's it's what is the sequel rather than what happens to these characters. That would
1: be interesting. It's interesting. The prologue.
0: I I think. (laughs) I think that's what. To be fair, had this movie. Well, okay, it makes that totally different. Had this movie been made today, but when we get a, a sequel like American Werewolf in Paris, you know, in the '90s from this movie in the '80s, had you made this movie today, the sequel would have been a prequel, right? They would not have bothered to try to make another one. They would have absolutely made a prequel. It would not have even been a question. Um, they would have gone back and gone. Let's talk about what happened to to create this uh, this whole thing. And to me, that's the only interesting story there that's really left to be told. Oh, um, ginger snaps. That's just me. Oh shit, that is a werewolf thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: that's a good one. Oh my well, god,
0: is it? I, I remember. I mean, it being I was going to say. I've, I've seen it once. I know I've seen it once in college. Again, Blockbuster was very kind to me same, uh, from the years same. of 2003
1: to 2007. Um, <laughs> was, is it, uh, Catherine Isabel and Emily. Oh, what was her last name?
0: I'm, I'm never going to remember these because it no. has been a very, very long Did time. Did you watch
1: all three of them? no first
0: one that's it so and i know i know the sequel which has a great name ginger snaps back is called that and that's all i got
1: well here's the question though why is it called ginger snaps back when ginger's dead literally like the sequel is because about the system. because
0: snapback is a is a slang term for oh, like a comeback
1: anyway yeah, also that's so what it is there was it's also the- uh, th- the reason I mentioned it is because the third Ginger Snap movie, I believe, was called The Beginning, and it is a prequel. It is a prequel to the first movie, but it actually oh, yeah. it takes place in, uh, I think, the 1800s, I want to say, where there's this fort out in the middle of nowhere besieged by werewolves, and there's this horrible snowstorm, and the two these two girls randomly show up, and it's the same two women from Ginger Snaps. as Catherine Isabel and Emily whatever, and they show up, and um, one of them has been bitten by one of them, and they don't reveal this. And as they're in the fort, they realize that these guys are cut off from the rest of the world, basically, because um, no one knows they're out there and they're fighting against these monsters. It's a pretty good film. It's not bad, actually, but it's it's very modern. The way they speak and stuff like Ginger and her sister both speak very like they don't fit the time period.
0: But anyway, yeah, they're they're anachronistic is what you're saying. I I I. we, we haven't mentioned it yet, and I think it's got to be said because we've made the joke a couple of times, and it's not much of a joke, frankly. I think I'm dead fucking serious nowadays about this. If you're not going to make a bunch of good werewolf movies, or if nobody's going to try, I'll throw you a free pitch and somebody do it. Werewolves on the fucking moon, or werewolves in space, <laughs> how does that affect the lycanthropy? Does yes. it make a difference if you're around the moon all the time, or is it all werewolf all the time? At that point, are you just a wolf? How does this work?
1: I, still I think, need to know. Go back, listen to last year's All Hallows' Eve, or Tales from Hallows' – Tales – say the name of the show. Hallows' Eve Tales. Thank you. The One of the stories that I wrote was about a – and I really want to turn this into something more, but about a girl who thinks a werewolf murdered her family, so she ends up tracking sure. him down and torturing him, waiting for him to turn into a werewolf. I think that'd be a good werewolf movie, but that I'm biased. Absolutely. Now, to close out – the last episode of Extras and Epilogues for Halloween, since we are talking about werewolves, um, I do have a list, and I want to mention okay. it real quick. We're going back to IGN, yeah. baby, because they do the worst list possible. <laughs> they <laughs> check and recheck the facts. In my head, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, I named uh The Howling and American Werewolf in London. What other good werewolf movies are there? Ginger Snaps is one of them, and I think The Wolfman with Benicio del Toro and uh Anthony uh Hopkins. I think that is a I think that's mm-hmm. a good movie. It's not great, but it's good. Well, let's see yeah. what IGN thinks are the best werewolf films of all time. Oh shit. Uh I don't think this is in any particular order, but 1941's The Wolf Man. I mean, you kind of have to throw that on there because it's okay. it's a classic, sure. you know, it's one of the originals. It's it's one of the the Universal films obviously. Um The Curse of the Werewolf, 1961. I've never heard of it, but so- apparently it, it's a hammer film. I have not admittedly okay. I've not seen a lot of hammer films, but I heard they're great. No, me either. Um Silver Bullet, nineteen eighty-five. I do like this movie. Have you ever seen Ooh. It? Uh
0: man I feel like if I started watching it, I could tell you for certain. I know the movie and I'm going now to look who's in it because I know I've heard of it. Boy in the uh, whether or not I've actually watched it, I don't know. Yeah, see, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen this.
1: So this has, but I know of it. <laughs> it's a Stephen King story, obviously. Right. Um and it's got a Gary Busey <laughs> as Gary Busey. Um, of course. And it's about a boy in a wheelchair and his older sister. And in one summer, uh, a werewolf starts killing people. And it's kind of showing what this town deals with, with all these deaths. And parts of it are incredibly hokey. It has probably the worst werewolf costume of all time. It's bad. It's bad. It looks like someone yeah. went to Party City and got a bear costume. It's so bad. But the story <laughs> itself is really good, and it's got a lot of heart to it. There's some really sad scenes. One one guy gets his uh, his son torn apart, and uh, at the funeral, he's talking. To, you know, he's yelling at the sheriff because he hasn't done anything, and he mentions how his son was found torn to pieces. It's it's really good. Uh, it also has one of my yeah. favorite lines in all of werewolf films, and I've said this before, jokingly. It's when he's talking about his sister. Uh, she's out there. She's the narrator for the film, but she's over there yeah. like kind of prancing around for this guy she has a crush on, and Corey. It's Corey. Hame, by the way one of the Cory's as the younger brother oh shit he says something like she's over there you know showing her tits off like no one's ever had tits before it's such a stupid fucking line (laughs) is that what that comes from from. yeah oh my god that's pretty great Uh, I like that 2002's Dog Soldiers Mm.
0: it sure is Mm. oh shit I just thought about something is Underworld on this list isn't there aren't there
1: some vampires in there uh, vampires and werewolves. All all were- no, it's vampires uh, and werewolves. That's wars. what I was gonna
0: say. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Is it? I meant to say, Aaron, there's some werewolves in there, but it yeah, it's, not it's just
1: that's, vampires. That's yeah, the anyway. the story. Is the, the they were the werewolves versus the vampires that was their eternal right. war. By Before the way,
0: Twilight took that and fucked it all up for everybody.
1: I don't like those movies, for the record. I've never been a fan. It's, it's an action yeah. movie. There's no horror to it. It's yeah. an action movie. Most They're people, fine. they watched it for Kate Beckinsale skin tight Leather. And she really, to be fair, to be fair to her, she really, like, started a trend there. Because the whole black oh, yeah. leather vampire thing took the fuck off after that. Uh, yep. 2000's Ginger Snaps. We mentioned that. That is a good one. I think it's Emily Perkins. Is it Emily Perkins? It is Emily Perkins. Okay, I was correct.
0: Uh, I'm going to have to take your word on that one. That sounds right.
1: but uh, 1984 is The Company of Wolves. I have seen this movie once or twice. I couldn't tell you much about it. It's, uh, I know Angela Lansbury's in it, and there's a weird scene where they all transform at like a dinner table, and uh, there's a there's a story about Little Red Riding Hood, and it's kind of like symbolism for a young girl being taken advantage of by a man. Ah, um, uh, okay, I got gotcha. you. I feel like I need to watch that again. Uh, the Wolf of Snow yeah. Hollow. So disappointed in this film. I saw this uh, yeah. about a year or two ago. It's this really, really cool story about a cop who's kind of at his fucking edge, and all of a sudden his town is besieged, I use that term again, by a werewolf who's killing people off left and right. Here's the disappointment in it. Spoiler alert, it's not a werewolf. It's just a big guy who's hairy that's murdering people. That was my disappointment. I fucking hated that. Um, Werewolves Within, 2021, based on the Ubisoft game, Tanner, I know you're listening, um oh yeah yeah, yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. That's uh what's his name? He's on I think he should leave. Sam Richardson. Yeah. Um,
0: Sam Richardson, thank you. Oh, I couldn't think about it.
1: I really like I couldn't think of it. I like this film. This is a good horror comedy. Um it's also got the girl from the phone commercials. I I can't pronounce her name. Milana Vaintrub.
0: It's like Ventrib. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I remember this coming out. Wanted to see it. Passed by me. Completely forgot it was a thing. I need to go catch up oh, on that.
1: Yeah, I won't say any spoilers then, but uh, Sam Richardson, this is the first thing I saw him in. And yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. The movie's pretty good. Yep. Uh, Late Faces. Late Phases. This is a really good one, too. I don't know if you've ever heard of this one. It's about a blind mm-hmm. uh, veteran who um, it, it lives in like a retirement home, and a, a werewolf is attacking people, and he has to stop it. And he's, like I said, he's blind, and he's uh, an older man, and he's a veteran. It's, it's also got the worst werewolf you've ever seen, but the story's good. Um, yeah. Nineteen ninety four Wolf with Jack Nicholson. Sure. Oh
0: shit! I forgot about that movie completely. Yeah, but
1: that's a wolf. Yeah, man. that's a Wolfman to me. I don't. Right. I don't fuck with yeah. Wolfman. James. Spader's well, that's that like
0: movie. Werewolf by Night. Is is that? That's yeah. more of
1: a Wolfman than an actual werewolf. I think. I was so disappointed yeah. in that. I'm gonna be honest with you.
0: I I liked it quite a bit, but it's not something I've thought much about since then. I enjoyed it in the moment, and I remember afterward thinking, like, you will never watch this again. It was was fun, but you'll never watch it again.
1: I liked that they brought the Bloodstone character into it, because I think she's a cool character. But yeah, it was a one and done, for sure. Uh, 1985's Teen Wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay,
0: first of all, that is absolutely a wolf, man, not a werewolf. Right. Um, Secondly, on the other hand, though, that is... That's a pretty great movie. I mean, it honestly. Is,
1: but it's not <laughs> it's a, fun. It's not a scary movie, obviously. It's, no, it's fucking goofy. No. The wolf. And Man, barely a werewolf movie. He he slammed dunks. Uh 2007's trick <laughs> or treat. I'm sorry. One? We have to go
0: back to it because I remember them talking about this on Podmeat's World and I think it's a worthy thing for us to bring up. Why does being a wolf make him better at basketball? <laughs> What is the analogy?
1: I like what it. is the comparison? When he throws the glasses on and he's dancing on the car and stuff, all because <laughs> all because he became a werewolf. Because he's a werewolf now. Fuck out of here. Sure. Oh. Uh-
0: Trick or treat. I don't remember the werewolf and trick or treat. I don't, it's been a long ass time since I've seen this movie. So
1: it's, it's one of the segments It's Anna Paquin. It's her and her friends and they're dressing her up in a sexy outfit and they're, she's all nervous. It it turns out because they're all werewolves and they, they tear off their skin and they eat people. It's, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's one of the best anthology films. Uh, 1981's, uh, Wolfen. I've actually never seen this movie. I've never seen it. Nope.
0: So Um, wait a minute. This came out in 1981. That's the same year that American Werewolf in London came out and The Howling. So that's three
1: of the best movies. What was with movies? the werewolf movies <laughs> that year? Holy shit. Uh, speaking of, 1981's The Howling. Next on yeah, the list. there you go. That's good. Yep. Uh, skip all yep, the sequels.
0: Fair. Oh, I'm certain. And finally, no part of you
1: an, aware, an American Werewolf in London. Considered by many horror fans yep. to be the best werewolf movie ever made. Yes. It, yep. I, even, yeah. if, even if you don't like the film as much as I did... It's Even definitely the best werewolf movie me. That's right, ever been made right. I'm
0: not, if, if, if all we're talking about is strictly werewolf movies It's two thumbs up, no question about it
1: Special effects in that movie, I don't know if you did, if you knew But uh, it was done by Rick Baker Rick um, Baker,
0: same guy who did Thriller for Michael Jackson
1: Yeah, and the same guy that did, yep. if I remember correctly I'm looking, because I might be crazy Men in Black um, Wild Wild West, right. Gremlins Yep, yep I thought he did Jurassic Park, but I think I was wrong about that no I don't think Baker had anything to do with him
0: Jurassic Park was um, well Phil Tippett was the the guy on set if I remember correctly and the main reason I remember that is because the meme that came out of it because in the credits he's credited as dinosaur supervisor and the, the, the credit was you had one job Phil there were rafters all up in the fucking kitchen in the fucking kitchen Phil uh Rick that's Baker. We got to talk about that movie sometime too.
1: And Tom Savini, the best, best makeup people ever in history. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Yep. Yeah. Let's, let's, we, we can ramble on forever, but let's cut it off there. Um, <laughs> so that's going to be the end of our Halloween episodes of extras and epilogues. Yeah. Of course, that doesn't mean that we're not going to cover horror films in the, in the future. Of course we will. No. Um, but we will be back to, well, next month we start nostalgic November. And that's right. So
0: we were just talking about this you, last night. I had a the... great idea for this. Yeah. The the plan is over the course of November. We have five Wednesdays in November, and over the course of the month, uh, we want to bring on some of our favorite guests and talk about their most nostalgic movies—the movies that they remember from their childhood, that were formative for them, that were big for them in some way. Maybe not, you know, childhood necessarily, but again, formative for them in some way as as uh, moviegoers or something that they really love can, now. So, um, uh,
1: can I go ahead and spoil I- what the first one's going to be? I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, because it's Lindsay, right? It's Lindsay is – is it, we always associate Tanner with uh, of October and, you know, Terrifying Tanner Thursdays and stuff. Ta- right. Uh, October's kind of Tanner's month. Well, November is definitely Lindsay's month. She's all nostalgic, and yeah. I'll tell you what it is. Sure. I have not spoken to her, but I'll ask her if she wants to do it and ask her what movie it's going to be. I'll tell you right now. It's The Last yeah. Unicorn. Watch.
0: I was literally thinking the last unicorn. I knew it was going to come up now. Importantly, I've never seen it. And I've made it very clear that one of the reasons I love doing this show is because there are a lot of movies that I like subconsciously. I go, yeah, you've seen that. Of course you've seen that you've seen a hundred different things on the, on the internet about it. And you've talked about it and sure you've seen it. And then you realize, no, I haven't fucking seen this movie. I've never actually sat down and watched it. Um, I love to just experience a new movie for the, for the first time. I am not somebody who likes rewatching more than there's like maybe 10 movies that I rewatch on a regular basis. And that's it. Same. Um, I can say what they are. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, one day we will do that list and it'll be very easy for the both of us. I think they're very similar. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, uh, but but that's one of the things I love about the show is you know all I need is a reason. If if this is my reason to sit down and watch a new movie, I'm down for it. If that means it's the last unicorn and that's what I'm watching next Wednesday, then let's do it. I'm here
1: for it. It's uh it's not one of my favorites. Not because I think it's bad. It's just man, it, it's just not your thing. It's not my style. Yeah, it's not my style. Yeah. But I'll rewatch sure. it with her and um you know we'll we'll tackle that next week so i'm gonna gonna call it right now next week next extras and epilogues the last unicorn with Lindsay wolfgang the last wolfgang as we start up uh (laughs) as we start nostalgic november until then ladies and gentlemen make sure you go back and check out this week's episodes of great great stories hunter of course on monday we had the penultimate episode of, of hollows eve tales season two tabula rasa
0: Oh, but we sure did! It's um, it's my episode, my specific one. I worked with Tanner uh, on the the season premiere, like I did last year. But this was my fully one and done, completely from me episode. Uh, Shannon and Cody and and uh, Jesse really helped me bring it to life, and I, I appreciate you guys a lot for that. Because again, I've, I've said it a couple times since then. I think it's if it's not my favorite thing, it's definitely one of my favorite things that I've I've ever written. Uh, and we have one episode left to go, the season finale from shannon is yes. coming up this coming monday
1: cosmic horror baby uh this one's gonna be a bloody ah. one um let's uh real quick give it up for jesse for that uh russian accent that he did he oh hell yeah so it's like yes. i really, i appreciate yes. that also i just realized tanner <laughs> um we no longer have the boost we cannot use oh my god it's <laughs> gone <laughs> we can only sad. use a couple of things
0: yeah, there's only eight of them, and I don't know how it decided that it was those, but yeah, oh my god, it has to come back.
1: Oh, I need that to be one of them. Very sad. Oh, Please. We had... I pulled up the board, and it was like... <laughs> <laughs> also, the penultimate <laughs> episode of, of Candle Obscura. Went up Yes, today.
0: Candela Obscura, we are uh, uh, approaching the end of that And I know, importantly, if you've been listening, it doesn't sound like it But just bear with me, because I <laughs> promise you that we are So that that last episode will air, uh, that's our Halloween Day show next week right. Importantly it will not be happening that night, we'll be recording it in advance right. uh, So you'll get it sometime during the day on Halloween That way you can enjoy it Halloween night and everything we've done up to that point uh, But yeah, we had last night's episode um, I'm running a couple of concurrent games for for you guys and some other groups and stuff right now so sometimes it's hard for me to keep track of what's going on, but I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite times uh, of me and my life playing tabletop games. And I'm not even actively playing anything right now. I'm running them all. Right, uh, But they're all going very, very well. And it's a ton of fun. Uh, it's a brand new system. Again, it's gothic horror. It is uh, steampunk horror. Go, go check it out. I don't even want to spoil it. Just go check it out.
1: And tomorrow is the last episode of terrifying Tanner. Thursday As again, we shift into nostalgic November next month and really, Um, I don't know if I'll get a chance to say it again, but I'll say it now. I think we killed it this October. It was, I think, the best month of shows we've ever had in the history of the podcast because it was so different and unique. Every show, we always always talk about we're going to do Halloween-themed stuff, and then we usually hit the mark, but sometimes we don't. I think this month, top to bottom, it was a hit, so I'm very proud of us in that, and I'm excited about Nostalgia November. Until then, though, uh, my friends, ladies and gentlemen, the balcony is closed thank you we will see you tomorrow for terrifying Tanner Thursday and I really need to work on an outro or just end it there so next time I'll get better I,
0: I, I was if you threw it to me I was just gonna go oh sheep shit on my pack
1: uh if it was me um uh, right then I was just gonna <laughs>
0: <laughs> you saw me the room, into the it